Welcome to today's episode of Conversations About Running, the podcast from the people at Running Trips. Running Trips are the company behind training focus camps in the UK and Kenya experience in Aten, Kenya. Today's episode is with Matt Bergen, an elite runner and physiotherapist who specialises in the assessment and treatment of runners. Matt will also be one of the performance specialists at training focus camps in both Loughborough and Cardiff this summer. We discuss a number of topics with Matt, including his time spent training in America, his experience working as a physiotherapist at the renowned Witty Pascom Buckingham Clinic, and get Matt's take on the issue of carbon-plated footwear for runners from a physio perspective. We hope you enjoy the episode and thanks for listening. Matt Bergen, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on, lads. Yeah, good to see you. So, Matt, uh, you've never met Callum, have you? I haven't. I've known, I've heard plenty about him. I've seen his, seen his posts on the Instagram story on the the Running Crips account, but I've not met him before. No. No, I think this is the first time we've we've met in inverted commas. I I just had a quick look on um, Power of Ten before I came on here to see if we had raced each other before, and uh, I was hoping I would sneak <laughs> like a. I was hoping I'd sneak like a cheeky lucky win in there at some point, but no, it's, it's three nil to Matt. What, we, what are the races? <laughs> well, you, what, what even we, over an eight hundred? No, we've got um, we've got five k in Armagh twenty eighteen, BMC Grand Prix fifteen hundred twenty eighteen, and Armagh again in twenty twenty, and it was wins to Matt oh, all wow. around. <laughs> was the was the fifteen Free. close? Was the what? Fifteen close? No, unfortunately, you ran three forty nine, and I ran three fifty four. Oh, solid 349 yeah it's decent. It's not bad I'm a 344 man back in my day are you? <laughs> yeah back in my day I'm 28 years old and I say back in my day when was when was back in your day? <laughs> uh, well as a 1500 metre runner that was before I went out to New Mexico um, and then I became a, then I became a 5k 10k man so I was there I must have gone out there 20 duh, 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 14 something like that 2014 15 Right. Okay. What did yeah, you? That's, that's... So did, did you go out there? Did you go to America as a post grad, or did you do your physio study out in America? No, no, no. I did physio over here. Um, Where? Then so I was over in Brunel, West London. Okay. Kind of I St Mary's, Tennington, that way. Because yeah, I thought you, I thought you were a St Mary's boy. <sighs> no. I, I had all kind. Ah, oh, that's all my best jokes have gone. I had, I had all kinds of wine mat up about going to St Mary's jokes planned. <laughs> well, I'm, you can be pretty sure that none of them probably listen to podcasts, so you'd be fine slagging them off. Too busy on their on their colouring books. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, no, Brunel. So I did my three year physio at Brunel, um, and then I was yeah straight over to New Mexico after that for a couple of years. Was that was that then pretty much? Um, I'm going to go to America to be a professional runner in a university setting or were you actually taking the academic side seriously as well? Um, it was, yeah, it was, I'm going out there to run for two years. What, what degree do I just need to do basically? Um, what's the, what's the closest related degree I can do to, to physio? Um, but what is going to work best with trying to be a full-time runner for a couple of years out there, basically yeah. like, yeah. like most people who go out there really. I think yeah, that's that's the impression I get. I I never went that route. Um, I say I never went that route as if I had a choice. Um, I was never really there was never never really an, an option for me. But yeah, the impression I've often got was that it's um, not not a cushy way, but like uh, <laughs> yeah, do the bare minimum, 
to make sure you're eligible to compete, but people are very much there to be runners. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very different over here. The running's a lot more professional, kind of achieving certain grades to be allowed to compete, but those certain grades aren't particularly challenging. Um, so yeah, it's I mean, it's not it's not difficult. I kind of went from an undergrad in physio to a to a to a master's degree out there in physical education, which was uh, I was doing probably five hours a week of university. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And then the rest running. Did you specifically choose to go to New Mexico or was it a case of kind of taking whatever's available and New Mexico happened to be a very good one that was available to you? Yeah, New Mexico wasn't the, the first I was speaking to. I was speaking to a, a few others before that. Um, and then a couple of my friends, so Alex Cornwell um, and Ross Matheson, both kind of friends of mine were out in New Mexico already. Um, and then they kind of got chatting to me and trying to, they almost did the recruiting for for the coach, to be honest, and then kind of swayed me to go out there and join them. So I was out there for my first year with them, and then right. kind of they they departed, and then I stayed there for an extra year. But yeah. but it's a but it's a case of again people listening who maybe aren't as familiar with the, with with what we're talking about. It's it's a case of an American university contacts you and says we want you to attend to run at our university. Yeah, essentially, I think they 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 look at bizarrely is over in america they they do look a lot overseas a lot of runners in europe um and especially in england and at the time new mexico was probably 90 percent of our team were lads from the uk um a couple from in europe um but yeah most of us were british there was probably one or two that were local new mexico lads but the rest of us were were all from england so three out of the four of us in my apartment were all lads from kind of london and scotland basically right um, which is bizarre, really. Yeah, you'd kind of think a country of their size, they can they can probably get the talent over there, but they do tend to look at others overseas and get us over. So I, yeah, I went over for a, almost like a recruitment trip over there, and then I'd kind of sit on New Mexico after that, really. So, so you were so you were already a qualified physio before you went? Yes, yeah, so I went. I went over as a qualified physio. Um, obviously, I say qualified physio. I didn't have any experience actually working as a physio, but I was a qualified physio as such. Uh, so did uh, that but did that did that then almost go on hold for two years or was america still part of the part of the whole physio like process no i think yeah i think my biggest worry with going to america was how it was going to affect my actual kind of career as a physio because obviously doing a degree and then having two years of not doing a lot with it it was kind of would i actually get a job would i have anything lined up afterwards or would being out of kind of education and studying of physio for two years be a bit of a put off for a lot of people. Um, but to be honest, it was, yeah, speaking to people like kind of Mark and others that it, it kind of wasn't a worry. I think a lot of people would rather probably take me on having had the, the life experiences out in America. Um, and I was still doing bits. Like I had kind of experience with kind of, kind of trainers and exposure to runners that were getting injured when I was out there anyway. Um, so it was a bit of a kind of a bizarre one because I went out there as a qualified physio and we were getting look up, looked after by people that were probably lesser qualified than I was. So that, that when yeah, sorry, I, when you just said trainers then, that, that's like athletic trainers. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's kind of like the, the, the version of physio that you have access to when you're, at, when you're a student there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of the, the equivalent. They're, they don't have physiotherapists. Their equivalent are physical therapists. Um, but if I wanted to do what I would do over here, my insurance wise, I just wouldn't be covered. 
Um, so a lot of what you use within your teams, you get access to yeah the the kind of the athletic trainers who are also studying often the same courses that we were doing, but rather than them doing the running, they're doing their athletic training and looking after the athletes on the team. Right. Was it, was that ever problematic? Yeah. Um, probably most instances, whenever I got any aches and pains and injuries, it was problematic because for the most part, I disagreed with a lot of what, what I was getting told was wrong with me or what I was getting told I needed doing and, and kind of stuff like that, really. It was yeah. There was a there was a little bit of kind of conflict of interest because I would never be on board with with what what I was being told. It's very, it was very easy to to get an MRI scan or to see a, a doctor over there, but there was often that I would never really get fully assessed like you would do by physio over here. There would never be that kind of screening process that you get over here. Um, but then, in terms of the medical stuff, you could get an MRI the next day if you needed it. So there was right, kind okay. of just a big gap between niggles and and little kind of injuries where you just need someone to do a bit of hands-on assessments and a bit of kind of treatment that way but then having a scan so it was it was it was a difficult one mm. um and I mean as ever I was kind of one of the many that I, I ran well over there and my a lot of my PBs have come from when I was over there but I spent two years with getting a lot of injuries spent a lot of time out and that was probably from not getting the the medical support that I probably could have got over here yeah so you felt it was more, it wasn't that there was anything fundamentally wrong with the, the system or the training or being pushed too hard. It's just a case of small things weren't able to be taken care of. Yeah, I think, I mean, there there was probably a few years ago this this kind of assumption that you go out to America and you do just get overtrained, which is definitely the case in some instances. Um, but I think for me, it was having the the regular input when I wasn't <clears> injured to actually assess me, get some kind of real high level quality treatment and to stop getting injured in the first place because by the time you got injured you're kind of then kind of you let you're not really worried about because they're then having to look to the next person that's going to kind of make that top six of a scoring team mm. um, so you kind of it's a lot more of a business than it is over here yeah I've I've heard so many mixed opinions about the um like training and, and training attitude in the states and but those, yeah. those differences in opinions almost always come down to injury someone who's gone yeah. to university system in america without getting injured seems to come back and be in absolutely top shape and it like makes them whereas yeah. other people get injured and they're like oh university in america was terrible kind of thing but that but that like kind of breaking point always seems to come down to injury do you think there's like a what, what in your experience is the reason behind that is the training just harder or different or um, to be honest when I was out there my my training I was probably training less intense than I do when I'm here so I before I went out there I was a typical Tuesday Thursday Saturday so mm. three times a week I was doing um yeah when I went out there I was doing a Tuesday session and a Friday tempo so that okay. I, I was doing one less session a week um right. than I was doing over here and I was probably doing a little bit more mileage um and I was probably racing a lot more regularly um okay. but actual quantity of intense training i was actually less um i think that i think the bigger issue over over there that i found was when i was getting little niggles and injuries whereas over here it would be shut it down have a couple of weeks off go see a physio get a diagnosis over there it was well we need you in a couple of weeks of time to race let's just kind of bodge it together see what we can do get you to the start line and then we'll pick up the pieces after 
to yeah, kind so of take, take, take over the cracks because we need you right now. Yeah, which when you look at it from afar, it like it's it, a lot of it's over there is is money driven. You 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 you're over there to compete for them to score them points. So they want they want you on the start line essentially. They're, you're a bit of an investment for them. So you want, I understand yeah. why it's like that, but it, it's probably not <laughs> in the best interest of of the athletes at times. And it's like anything in professional sport. It almost doesn't matter to them what shape you're in in three, four, five years time, as long as you're in shape right now. I guess. <laughs> to, yeah. To exactly. Re- so yeah, so so that so on that point, one thing I was really surprised when I spent a little bit of time around collegiate athletes or just speaking to people who had done was how many of the runners on the American teams are done with running um, when their collegiate career is done. Yeah, like I, I don't know yeah. if that's similar similar for you, Matt. But I just couldn't get my head around it. I was like, "What? You're you're 21 years old and you finished running?" He's like, "Yeah, college is done. I'm done." Yeah, there's no whereas here everything's always building towards like the senior championships, and you want to still be good to yeah to compete at the national or the regionals or. or... I think because the 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 kind of club system over there isn't anywhere like it is here. At at the top end, it's very good in America, in terms of you you finish you get to your kind of final years in college. If, if you're good enough to make a professional team out there, you join a team and you, you kind of travel the world and do the races and everything else. There's, but there's just nothing in between. Mm. So you'd, even on our team, you'd get lads that are running kind of, yeah, like mid to high 13 minutes for a 5K that are accepting that they get to kind of their last years and that's them completely done with running because there's nowhere for them to go. Mm. Yeah, so um, that, yeah, it's interesting because because that. It does seem to produce. It's a system that does seem to produce quite a sharp top end. Like the the top end in America is is good, isn't it? It's it's it's, mm. it's really good. Um, but is is that yes? Is that at the detriment of everyone else, or or is it just a consequence of that they've got so many to choose from? The cream's still gonna gonna rise to the top. I was gonna say a, a lot of it's probably just sheer size that they're always gonna get a good a good number of guys and girls that are, that are very good at the top. Um, but there are probably so many that completely leave the sport as soon as they leave college and kind of mid, mid to low twenties. Yeah. Which I always find baffling. If they were living in, in England, some of them would be looking at kind of national medals, looking to qualify for you, you things like Europeans but over there. Yeah, or they're, or, or, they're or quitting. at bare minimum, just being, just being a solid club man who just enjoys training hard yeah. and, and racing well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah, they just, it, so it, it is it is sad sometimes, but yeah. So let's let's rewind a little bit then, Matt. To so how how did you get started in the whole physio thing? Like, where did that come from? Um, is that something you wanted to do for a long time? Fell into, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera? I it always been something I was looking to do. First, when I first kind of got into the running and stuff, I was like the. I mean, it was my PE teacher um, back in Bedford that got me into running in the first place. So I always assumed I'd go down the kind of PE teacher route. Um, and then just as I did more and more running, the first physio I ever saw was Mark Buckingham, whose clinic I now work at. Um, and he's the only physio that's ever treated me. So the more and more time I kind of spent with him getting treated myself, it kind of made me realize that I actually potentially would enjoy that line of work and actually doing what he did and working with runners. So did, did um, you, obviously you haven't gone to Mark Buckingham just by chance, cause that's not, it's not like he's the closest physio to you in Bedford. But were you aware that you were essentially get, going in at the top there? I, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky in Bedford that I'm, uh, I'm only 30-minute drive from 
where he is. Um, but we were lucky in the sense that when I got in with him, his diary probably isn't like it is now. So I was, we were getting in quite easily. Um, we got in before he was mega busy and it was a kind of a three month waiting list. Um, but like you say, we just got very lucky, I think, with getting in, getting in then and having him relatively local. But, yeah, but, we, we, but were you aware that you weren't just seeing a standard normal physio? Like you said, if that was your first experience of physio and that was kind of what you made you think this is something I might be interested yeah. in doing. I was going to say that's probably part of the reason um, when you were in the States that you thought the physios were somewhat subpar because you had spent the last few years seeing probably one of the top physios in the UK. <laughs> thinking yeah. that was I think I think when I used to go over there when I was a kid getting driven over by my dad, I probably didn't appreciate kind of the level of physio that Mark was. Um, but then probably over the years, as I was getting treated by him, he then did more of the kind of the European stuff. Then as I spent more time with him actually chatting about his physio and his job then that he was the kind of people that he'd worked with the teams he'd worked with um and like you said in terms of a physio to be treated by my expectations were of anyone that's kind of in that line of work were then very high because mark had kind of set the bar for me yeah but I, i'm just trying to think from a from a from a running perspective i can see that having positive and negatives just because again your expectations are so high that you could feel not let down by 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 others but you yeah you could it's difficult to word it but i think you understand what i mean like it is it'd be difficult to then be treated by someone who didn't have the the, the same knowledge and experience as mark yeah 100%, but, for, but from a but from a work perspective i wonder if that's kind of set you up like you got no choice but to aspire to to to, to be at that sort of standard yeah yeah exactly and I think in terms of I remember before I'd even started working with Mark um I'd been I'd now and again done a little bit of work experience with him at the time I was I was I did a couple of years part-time in the NHS um and I'd always kind of would have loved to work in that clinic but kind of thought well that's probably five ten years off knowing the clinic you mean yeah, knowing the yeah. level of physios that are there and that he is, I was kind of thinking long game, that might be kind of where I would like to end up eventually. Um, but in terms of he'd never seen me doing any physio, he he just knew me as kind of going in as a patient. Um, so the more I, I did kind of ex- work experience and stuff like that, a few of the other guys were kind of saying to me, oh, you, you realise Mark's probably going to offer you a job like sooner rather than like than as long as you might think. Um, and then it was it was whilst I was I went back out to New Mexico just for a month's training, um, and it's whilst I was out there that he he just dropped me a message and said, "Do you want to fan- do you fancy coming over and working with me?" Um, so I yeah very much landed on my feet in terms of like you say running physios to be to be kind of standing toe to toe with and working with working alongside in a clinic. Um, I couldn't really get any better. So how how much then? Obviously, you're obviously you're in the clinic and you're, but, but but you're not in the same room on a day-to-day basis, are you? Like like you're you're doing your you're still an independent physio doing your own thing. Um, yeah. So one so but, but my question is kind of then how much how much of Mark's influence continues to come through in your work, um, mm. or 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 are you essentially just your own man who just happens to be in the same building as as Mark? Yeah, yeah. So when, like you said, once you've been treated by Mark, everyone then has that expectation that they're going to be then treated to that level. So I think for for a long while, Mark had struggled to kind of work alongside any other physios because they always had that expectation that they would treat in the exact same way maybe that he would. 
the kind of a physical thing, whether they were just mentally used to how Mark would treat them, how kind of just his general rapport with patients. Mm. I think that might be the reason why some people then would struggle to see, like you say, their local physio, because they could probably have been doing the exact same techniques. They could have been telling them, but they weren't Mark to some extent. Um, there, there, there is definitely an element of that. It, there's definitely an element. I talk from personal experience, but I know I'm not unique in this. In that Mark's word is 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 yeah, gospel to, to use the phrase. Like Mark, Mark's word is correct essentially, regardless. Um, yeah. And yeah, so, so you don't question it. But then if you get yeah yeah, you could have the same thing told to you by someone else, and, and you might leave sort of thinking, oh, maybe maybe not. I, yeah, I, I I don't think that's a good thing. I think that's a flaw on my behalf that I can't. That I find it harder to trust other people, but but yeah, I can see that yeah. being. Is is that then a positive or a negative when when you're working essentially with for, the same? For me, for me, when I started there, he as I when I first started, Mark had just gone down to working three days a week compared to five days, and so he he had a big kind of gap to fill in terms of the volume and quantity of patients and runners that he was seeing. Trying to then still manage that and get them through the door and give them a good level of kind of quality of treatment still. Um, so then he got that's when that was the point at which he got me in so I probably mm. spent the, but the best part of the first year actually in his room shadowing him we were working kind of both of us would would kind of assess and treat patients in his room together um, I think just so he could teach me the ropes but then also yeah, sure. for the for the patient to then get comfortable with me treating them, me hands-on with them, whilst Mark is also sitting there going, well, I wouldn't do any different to what Matt's doing. I would say the exact same thing as Matt's saying. Like you said, it just gave the the runners the confidence that someone else can probably do the same thing. Maybe yeah, say sure. it in a slightly different way, but just get the same messages. And it's, do, you, it's... Do, you, do you remember the first time you were shadowing Mark when I was doing it? <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah, I did. I think he <laughs> didn't, he, didn't he? Well, I saw you waiting in the uh, waiting room and you, it looked like off the plane from Kenya you're sitting there in your in your Vibrams um, with, with okay your... I, I'm going to call you up on that straight away because they weren't you always <laughs> bang on about them being Vibrams but they weren't so <laughs> what were they uh Vivo Barefoot okay it's, it's even a, worse no obviously it's a similar thing but like they, they, they didn't they didn't have the five they didn't have like the five toe things they okay. were a standard and I think they looked like a standard shoe or as far as yeah, they're plimsolls. basically plimsolls. Yeah, and I, I think I think Mark more or less threw the shoe across the room. <laughs> he, sort of, he, he he held it between little finger and thumb a few times, and like twisted it in his little finger and thumb a few. Like he was he was just sort of trying to not very subtly make a point that he wasn't impressed. And, and, yeah, yeah, and then I think kind of then tossed, he sort of tossed it to the floor. To you. Yeah, yeah, and Gavin's sitting there wondering why he's probably kind of torn his plantar fascia or something like this. <laughs> no, I mean, it, so right. What, Let's let's talk about this for a couple of minutes because, again, it's one of those cases where when Mark says something, you take it and and you and you don't question it. But that that's one area that I did struggle ever so slightly on because, like those shoes are still in the garage. I, I don't think I've worn them once since that since Mark told me off for it. But I technically still own them. That they're outside. Well, outside, yeah, yeah, they're, they're out in the garage. So, in my defence, I've never once run in them and I never once planned to, and the and. The basic gist of it was the whole idea of sort of spend time barefoot and your feet will get stronger. Like, is that, mm-hmm. is that just fundamentally incorrect? Because that, that was, I was using him to walk the dog. I was using the dog. I, I don't call him the dog. I was using him to walk Diego. Um, I was, yeah, using him just like 
wandering around town and stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, until until you, that until that time, I actually thought that was a positive. Mm. You you're not fundamentally incorrect. I think there's definitely some benefits doing things like but drills and stuff like that. But I think where what lets people down is and where probably the barefoot running shoes get the bad rep. It, people don't kind of transition into them correctly or they don't do it probably for the right reasons. So you, I mean, the kind of the principle of the barefoot running is that you get a lot of the kind of the runners in Africa and Ethiopia and Kenya and those places that you'll see them running barefoot, but they're running on sandy tracks and they, they were brought up running on those kind of things. So their feet and their tendons and all of those structures in their kind of lower limbs are used to those forces Whereas what you would then see, and I, I see it in the, even in the villages around me, I see blokes running around. I've got I've got seen a bloke that runs around in more or less a sandal, mm. um, and you're going well. Maybe if you're on very soft surfaces, if you're on a beach running along, but if you're running through the town centre of Bedford with nothing more than a flip flop kind of tied to your foot, you're probably getting a lot more kind of impact forces and stresses going through that foot. Um, and if you haven't transitioned very slowly and kind of properly into them, then you are going to be left with some probably fairly substantial injuries. Um, so, so it's essentially a case of dosage. Like you just, it's very easy to do too much. And then instead of playing catch up, because that was my idea, it's exactly the same as what you just said. You see, I mean, to be honest, you very rarely actually see Kenyans running barefoot. But, but, yeah. but you do see young Kenyans walking mm. and running barefoot. You don't, sorry, to the back. You don't see Kenyans training barefoot, but you no, see no, no. kids. You see kids like running around barefoot all the time. Yeah. And yeah. Their feet, and then when you look at the Kenyan runners, their feet are dramatically different to what any feet in the UK I've seen. They're just yeah, huge. Yeah. they're huge. They're just so muscular, so strong. Um, yeah, and the mm. basic idea was to try and bridge that gap. So is it just a yeah. case of that? it's just very easy to do too much. And instead of bridging the gap, you're kind of making it worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, some people do do it right and it probably does benefit them because it probably does strengthen the, the foot, all those intrinsic muscle muscles in the feet. It probably strengthens the plantar fascia. It probably strengthens the Achilles and the calf, but where people let them down themselves down is probably doing it way too quickly and going from running around in a, a pair of kind of very supportive shoes to then running with nothing on their foot and then they will very quickly then get an injury. Yeah. Um, but so, so equally, yeah, if, so, you, so. if you do it very slowly, if you incorporate little kind of foot exercises and drills into it, there isn't any reason why you shouldn't be able to do it without causing yourself injury. But for me, it's always weighing up the kind of risk first reward. What are you actually from wearing them all the time and potentially doing the running in them? what are you gaining versus if you just kind of once or twice a week did a few barefoot drills to strengthen mm. the foot? Similar kind of thing, really. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I, yeah, I can, I can definitely see it from, yeah, mm. definitely see it from so, that perspective. Speaking of, um, speaking of Kenya, have you been out there, Matt? No, it's one place I haven't I've, seen, but I would love uh, to go. I, one of the first photos I think we posted of you on our social media, you had a Kenya bracelet on, I think. And I, I, do. I, I thought, what's the story behind that then? That it was just a present. I had a friend when I was at university that had been out there and had bought me one uh, back just for my birthday. Yeah, so it had yeah. I had the yeah the Kenya bit and then the New Mexico logo on it as well. Yeah, uh, okay, and and the island top. What's the story behind the island top as well? The, um, what's the, the story behind the island top? <laughs> the story, the well, story is probably the same as his passport. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, no, my, sorry, my... Yeah, no, no, fair, fair play. Callum, Callum doesn't know Matt. He certainly doesn't have an Irish accent, and he's only yeah, spoken and... about being from Bedford so far. Yeah, exactly. That was going to be my exact point. From Bedford, no Irish accent, running in an island top. <laughs> do I? Do I not? Do I not have an Irish accent? I, I just kind of caught <laughs> myself into believing I do. <laughs> give, it, give, it, give it a go. We'll give you. Yeah. No, I think my passport would get taken away from me if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> so my yeah the story I mean my my father's my dad's Irish um right. born in born in Ireland and then he he moved over here really young um right. so I've always had the option of moving and getting my Irish passport um and then without going into too much detail I I had a falling out like so many people have with British athletics some years ago ah, I have a vague memory of that I know you said you don't want to go into too much detail with that did that revolve around the European under 23 5000 yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was yeah, the gist. I'd always, I'd always, that. I'd always said to my coaches and my dad that I was going to probably wait until my final years as a junior, and then that kind of, kind of junior to senior transition to make a decision whether I committed to stay in running for GP if I was good enough, or making the change to then trying to compete for Ireland, um, and then what happened in the yeah the kind of the qualifications for the European Championships kind of just played my hand early, really. Um, yeah, just as ever politics with British athletics, unfortunately. Um, and for one reason or another, myself and also then Michael Caligari as well, neither of us got picked, um, despite the fact that we'd basically done everything the selectors had asked us and we'd run the qualifying times and whatnot. Um, mm. and by the time the, the kind of the head guy at the time had found out about it, it was kind of too little too late. Um, and as much as he probably agreed with the fact that we probably should have been put in. Um, it was just too late for us to get kind of reinstated at that stage. So yeah, after that, so, 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 in, a, so in a fit of rage, you cut up your British passport. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got my, so I've got dual nationality, so I've still got my British passport. Okay. What's the story behind the island top? Now does not seem like such a ridiculous question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I do have now, I do have now a new Kenyan bracelet with the Irish flag on it as well. So I've gone all in. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, so Matt, that that leads us in quite nicely then to so a couple of things I'd I'd like to still talk talk with you about, and one being sort of the the it, it might be a non-issue and you say yeah it's fine it's it's easy just just get on with it but it's just interesting to you, you you're talking on one hand about working a fairly I don't know if stressful is the right word but like it's a serious career like you're not just doing you're not just you're not just doing a really Running simple, trips. easy job in order to... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You haven't got Callum's job so that you can just focus entirely <laughs> focus entirely on running. But at the same time, you're also talking about competing um, internationally and competing as a, as, as a, as a high-level athlete. Is, is that something that you've had to work on balancing? Like you, you've come back from America where you're basically a professional to now, being, now having a serious career and still running at a high level. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've been very lucky in that even when... I was in the NHS. They were very on board with how much running I was doing and I was working even part-time there. Um, and even in the two years I was there, I had the best part, probably two or three months off to go and train and go on altitude trips. One of the first things he said to me was, well, you, you're clearly a decent level runner. You're not going to be running at that level forever. I would still put your running first. So I would. He, his advice was to build my diary around my running. Um, so I'm, at the minute I'm there three days a week I've got my my session day and my tempo day and my days that I'm not in the clinic seeing nine ten people a day yeah and to then work around it and kind of allows me to train hard rest hard 
but then I still am able to see the quantities of patients. And when I, when I first started, I wasn't seeing probably anywhere near the amount I'm seeing now, but I, I am able to balance it just from doing those three days a week rather than five days a week, seeing probably 50 patients. Because like I said, it is every patient that comes in the door, every runner that comes in the door, they, they want 110% out of you. They want a, a correct diagnosis. They want to know what's wrong with them, what they've got to do when they can get back running. So it, it can be quite stressful, and especially I always have the days where you're you're seeing probably five, six, seven decent runners back to back all day, um, and it's yeah they want to know every question. Like, I'm sure, like you, I've been there myself. You've been there yourself. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But so, so how do you find then? Well, first question, and there is an immediate follow up. But as a rough percentage, how many runners are you seeing versus general public or other sports? I. I did look at this recently. I think my diary is probably maybe say 70% runners mm. and that's runners of all levels. I, the majority of my, my diary that's why, that's is probably one of our catchphrases. Yeah. The majority yeah. of my diary is probably runners that are getting into it for the first time. have only been doing it kind of the last year or two. And then you've got that kind of small percentage, which are kind of you internationals, you're very high level athletes. Um, people, people like me, like when I turn up, Exactly. Yeah. Which category do you fall into? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. The, the serious. Yeah, I guess the serious amateur wants to be. I think I, I would imagine I'm as demanding as as an elite athlete, even though I'm not not quite as fast. Yeah, I think I think, and everyone like you like to say, even though people come in and even though they are runners, they come in and one of the first things people will say if they're not an elite runner is, "Oh, I'm not really a runner." And I'm going well, even if you're even if you're trying to run three or four times a week, for them three or four times a week they're still trying to be their best they're still pushing themselves to run as quick as they can try and run their pbs it's no different to someone that's running 13 minutes for a 5k that's running 340 and below for 1500 they just happen to probably have a bit more support have done it all their lives they might be a bit more talented so it's it's no different and it's which is why in terms of my treatment it it's very much the same regardless of what level of Mm. athlete you're treating and you do provide the same level of service for all of them but but okay so but then take take runners as without subcategorizing runners yeah uh, do you notice a difference in sort of expectations or or how people act in clinic of of runners versus non runners as in runners act acting yeah acting clinic isn't the right term but when you're saying like people have high expectations people want to know every, the answer to every single question is it is there a noticeable difference between working with runners and working with like just the general public? Oh yeah. I I would say runners as a whole. um, And I'm the exact same of this. The moment I step into Mark's room as a patient, I turn into a runner as well. Um, But then I see it coming in the door as well. But uh, I find the runners, they, you want runners like structure. And I think any sports person likes structure. So you want to know how many days you need to have off. Can you know how many reps you need to do, how many sets, how hard does the exercise want to be. Um, so you want all of those. I'll be videoing patients doing their exercises. I'll be printing their exercises off so they've got photos, descriptions, so they know everything that they're doing so they don't need to go away and then spend kind of all evening emailing me. Whereas then your general public, some of them won't even want to print off. They're happy that they know what they're doing, a few exercises. They're happy to kind of go away for a few weeks, do them by the want that they don't often require that level of input yeah um, I, I i can imagine it's i can imagine it's often a case of 
a member of the general public is just delighted to hear that what is wrong with them can be fixed and will be fixed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, yeah, whereas when I go in there, I want to, yeah, like you say, the, the difference between you telling me to take five days off and three weeks off is, is huge. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that, that's, that, that, in terms of my emotional response to it as well, if you say, oh yeah, okay, it's Monday, I think take it easy and we can start jogging again on Saturday. I'll be, oh, brilliant thank god that, 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 that that's great but yeah if, if, if i'm in with yourself or mark or, or anyone else i guess and they say right we need to give this three or four weeks and then reassess you, you're kind of crestfallen you're like oh my goodness no running for a month yeah and i think that's probably the hardest bit for me um because i've sat in front of mark and i've had him to tell me to have six weeks off put a boot on i know like you say emotionally how it is to be told that um so i think when you're diagnosing someone and you're kind of you're poking their bone and you're going i'm fairly certain that this is a stress fracture it's almost break you're kind of breaking the bad news to them you know how they're feeling so that is probably the hardest bit for me um and even though i know that i need to break that news to them and then i need to give them that kind of structure of how long we need off are they allowed to do any cross training what do they need to do do they need a scan and everything else it's just then trying to kind of reduce kind of the actual mental kind of stress by then actually outlining a a good plan for them yeah i I was gonna say i think i think for a lot of athletes while you do give them that bad news it's almost it can be a relief like for a lot of athletes they're kind of guessing what's wrong and they're not sure they don't know how long they have to have off and then when you say to someone right this is a stress fracture this is how long you need to have off even if it is six or eight weeks it could be like a okay like i know what i need to do now <laughs> I, I, i'm chuckling yeah i'm chuckling over here Gallup, Callum, just because i'm thinking of an it's just reminded me of another time where i've been told off by uh by mark um that that matt, <laughs> matt's colleague that we're talking about it is yeah. i i can't remember the exact circumstances but i'd eat it's post-treatment maybe a few days or a week down the line or something and and i'd emailed something to him and it was about <laughs> it's an email fairly late at night maybe like 10 30 11 o'clock at night with capital letters as the title get <laughs> off the internet <laughs> <laughs> and it is exactly that i was just trying to self-diagnose i was trying to figure it out i was trying, yeah he oh, called, called you out yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or what about that or what or what about that time that you theragunned yourself gav oh mate i i so I don't want to do Theragun a disservice. Like we're, cer- we're certainly not in we're certainly not in partnership with Theragun, but I think it's a great product and and I think it can do a lot of good for a lot of people. But but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Matt Matt has been unable to. I'm looking at it now. I've, got, I've still got a scar right. There's still a scar right here. I've been to Matt to treat my shin. So was, what was it? Was it Mark had treated it? Then I'd gone away and had a couple of weeks, and I was coming back for follow up treatment with you. I think. Rewind, rewind. What what's what was the problem in the first oh, place? Why why did you have to oh, go to him? Sorry, shit. Some some kind of shin. Um, call call it shin splints for want of a better, want of a more accurate. Like a, like a, like an inner like an inner shin pain basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Mark's basically told me that it's it's right it's right kind of you got to get right under the bone. You got to get your you got to get your thumbs kind of Into on the, the fascia. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it is the fascia, but it, okay, Matt said exactly so probably it was. So, but. Basically, I've decided that my thumbs can't get deep enough, so I've put the sort of the 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 pointy, what do you want to call it, like the arrow ball, yeah, like the cone, the cone bit, yeah, the cone. There you go, yeah, like the yeah cone of the theragun. Got it right in there, 
And it's so painful that I'm not really even looking. I'm sort of gritting my teeth, looking the other way. Um, and then when I, when, I, when I think, right, that's probably been long enough, I look back, there's blood everywhere. Uh, and and when, he, when he says long enough, he's probably, he's probably held it there until it's ran out of charge. <laughs> to, to make your skin bleed from a Theragun is unbelievable. Yeah. And then I, I, I think I remember I had about... I think I had about four or five days until my appointment with Matt. And I was like, oh, man, I've got to get rid of this. Got to get rid of this. And I was just doing anything I could to try and heal the skin faster and faster. And then yeah, I, just, I think I just turned up at clinic and Matt's like, well, what do you expect me to do with that? You want me to treat an open wound? I can't treat, yeah. You need, you need some antibiotics for that, Gab. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I had, had someone. I had, I, had some, I had the same yesterday. I had someone yesterday, the exact same. Little toe had injured it. It got infected. They'd tried removing pus themselves. Had got infected, but rather than actually seek any medical help, had just kind of cut the outside of their shoe open and continued to run, probably avoiding putting any kind of weight through the the probably the outer half of their foot, and then proceeded to then give them a shin pain as well. Um, so this we is... are we are all as bad as each other, and I've done plenty well, of stupid things as well. But this is part of part of almost your career choices. I, I can understand. I think if I had ever gone down the physio route, I'd certainly want to be in sport and I, I would imagine I'd want to be in running. But then there is, yeah, there is kind of this added, like you say, we're all the same. We've all got, well, we're not all the same. Not everyone's cutting themselves with Ferragam, but everyone's, <laughs> we're, we're all so desperate to run. Sometimes you do things that, are, that you know aren't sensible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you're dealing with that on a, on a, on a daily basis. And I, I think, I think that's where it's difficult because I think in terms of the, the mentality and I think the thing that has, I have found that has changed probably over the last year or two has been how people look after themselves. Generally runners before they will come and seek any kind of help from Mark or myself, they will have tried everything. They would have Googled it. They would have had a bit of rest. They would have Theragun. They would have done everything. They might've had a massage and then four or five weeks down the line of still struggling with the injury then they come and see us when they've already had that length of time of not running, of potentially making it all worse. And then they come and see us. Mm. Um, whereas I found over the last year, people just have generally, I found people have started to kind of look after themselves much better. I'm getting people that come in to see me that have got a little niggle that isn't stopping them running yet, but it's just a bit of an awareness somewhere that they want to kind of nip in the bud before it does stop them running for a month on end. Mm, yeah sp speaking of that kind of awareness type thing as coming coming from the point of view as as a runner now how can you kind of tell the difference between when you run a lot and you train quite hard obviously you kind of get like little small aches and pains and niggles every day how do you yeah. know the ones that are gonna right that's gonna become an issue kind of thing i think that's yeah it's a good question i think that's probably the hardest thing people find kind of managing when they're especially new runners mm. um they get into running they're probably a few weeks down the line and everything's hurting they're both of their quads are hurting calves are tight and to them that is an injury they're so i'll get people coming and going both my calves are tight and you're looking at them you can't find anything actually wrong but it might just be something as simple as they're getting into running they're new to running they're probably running around in a pair of air forces um <laughs> and both of their calves are getting a bit tight Generally, the, the th things to look out for, my general rule with whether or not that what you're feeling is something serious that you need to have a few days off for or you need to seek kind of professional help for is just how the, the pain behaves. If it's 
if it's kind of a bit of a general it's in both legs um if you're not getting that kind of sharp pain when you're walking or there's never not been that kind of actual trauma as such you can't remember having done anything or you can just kind of kind of associate it with oh you've just started running or you've done a few hill sprints or is that the reason you're getting a bit tighter in the in the calves or the the kind of the quads um if you're out running and you're getting that sudden pain that comes on out of nowhere that sharp pain which when you're stretching the muscle when you're kind of contracting it if that's giving you the pain then you need a few days a week or two off until that point Similarly, if you're getting things like you're bruising and you're swelling, they're kind of your, your red flags. If you're getting pain at rest, if you're getting kind of really pinpoint pain on bones, on the shin, in the foot, that's where you kind of then you need to have a decent period of time off. You probably need to go and see someone just yeah. to rule out things like your stress fractures. Because I've, I've had people come in to see me before that, like Gav said a minute ago, they've, they've diagnosed themselves with something like shin splints. And it, that could, that's, a kind of diagnosis that could be anything from a bit of tightness in some of the muscles on the inside of the shin or conversely that could be a complete fracture of their tibia and right, I've had yeah. the, the same people in a few days come in give me the same diagnosis that they've been given by kind of google or a friend and it's one's being sent to a, an orthopedic consultant because they've kind of broken the shin bone <laughs> and the, the other one is just having a bit of massage and a bit of strengthening right yeah two very different outcomes i I guess it's the um i guess it's the kind of thing that just comes with experience as well because i've i have kind of small little i won't even call them injuries just little pains that i know okay it's definitely not right and i probably shouldn't do a hard workout today but i know that in two days time this is going to be gone because i've had it three times before kind of thing And, and you just kind of become more aware of your body and your muscles and you know how certain things react and behave. Yeah, um, I think the more experienced runners are very, like a lot of the people that we see fairly regularly are very aware of their own bodies. So they might come in and say, "Oh, I feel like kind of a, my back's a bit stiff." They kind of almost know before the the problem might be in the Achilles, but they they're already saying that they're feeling these other bits going on, which are probably contributing to the overall problem. So they are very aware of their bodies, whereas right. those the, those new runners aren't really sure what they're feeling. They they often find to even describe the pain that they're feeling um so even when i'm having that initial chat with them some people might even struggle to kind of describe what they are feeling um or that kind of those those things that irritate it they'll struggle to even sometimes answer some of the, the questions that you are throwing at them yeah on, um, on that on that then do you find it more challenging to treat like experienced or elite runners than you do uh beginner runners or vice versa um they both have we've, different we've, they both we've... they both bring different challenges i think with it can be a dangerous thing when people get very aware of their bodies because they a lot of a lot of them will sometimes almost come in kind of giving you the answers that they they think this is what's going on yeah and that was going to be my and point they, they, and they, they already have in their head that this is what i need to do this is what's going on yeah, um, yeah get the shockwave machine matt <laughs> <laughs> yeah whereas <laughs> get whereas the shockwave think... machine fix me send me on my way <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think runners runners because especially runners we're good at, at running we're not good at rehabbing we're not good at kind of doing the exercises the strengthening stuff we we want to run whereas even kind of triathletes they're because they've got those two other events that they can go and do generally if you get a bit of an ache or a pain when you're a, when you're a triathlete you'll maybe just have a few days easier do a little bit more on the bike in the pool let it settle 
and then you, you're kind of back into things. Whereas a lot of runners, because they just run and do nothing else, it's either run or have days off. Yeah. Um, so I think there is that pressure where which makes people kind of ignore what they're feeling and carry on running until they are kind of, for want of a better word, kind of broken as such. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is a difficult feeling knowing that they're your two options, really. It's either push through this what may or may not be an injury or rest and stop doing what you love doing. Um, yeah, it's not an easy thing to pick between really i i, yeah. I get the impression not... that people are starting to see the success of triathletes as something where way um how to word it like people are starting to understand that not running for a week isn't the end of the world yeah i always say to someone a few days here or there when you get a bit of an ache or a pain is much better than trying to run through it and then having three or four weeks off a week later yeah but, but uh, and the flip side is most runners, myself included, are, are more like what Callum said, and it is running or nothing, and anything else just feels like feels like defeat and is entirely unenjoyable. So it's not like oh oh massively yeah. yeah. And I think even even I mean it's I think it is changing because you are seeing a lot of triathletes now that are in just running terms running very well and beat yeah, and beating yeah. a lot of people that are just runners and they're running probably three quarters of the mileage that just the runners are mm. so i think a lot of people are starting to realize that am i kind of getting a bit obsessed with the number that's on my strava of my miles for the week um and i think i'm as bad as anyone else i my friday run at the minute's three miles and i'm going am i really getting anything out of that three mile run or would i benefit more from kind of a bit of a kind of a, a spin out on a bike over an hour if I'm not doing my three miles, I don't hit that kind of that golden number at the end of the week. Yeah, yeah, and that and that makes me get out the door to do it. So the the, we're, the, the one I struggle with, and Callum and I have spoken about this on the podcast before, is is just not hitting whatever the target number is. It, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's three. If Alex has set three miles, I'll happily run three miles. But if he's set ten, I find it really hard to only do eight. Yeah, like even if I know any, oh, this is a bit tight. I should stop now. It's like, well, Alex had to do 10 miles, so why am I only... Yeah, that's that's the area I struggle with. Yeah, I think sometimes it's why... I mean, a, a more and more people are starting to self-coach as well, which is I... Especially for your middle distance runners, kind of to get decent at running, it's, it's quite easy. You go for a few kind of steady runs and you do one or two harder efforts a week. But I think where where you do need a coach is kind of giving them a bit of feedback with how tired you feel, how your body feels... Mm. And just having them tell you, actually, don't go 10 today, just go five, cut it short. And if you if you had Alex tell you that, you probably would yeah, be happy if, to yeah, then go and sure, do it. For sure, for sure. And uh, yeah, if he was there, it, it, or if I yeah, if I stopped, somehow he happened to just be there and I said, what do you think, mate? He'd say, no, stop, definitely. Yeah, just rest it. We'll yeah. come back again tomorrow or two days or, or whatever. My coaches always say to me as well, half the time, I will always message them and go, oh, I kind of feel a bit tired or oh, my calf feels a bit tight. I, I Deep down myself, I probably know that I need a day off, but it's almost mm. messaging them, having them say, just have a couple of days off and then I'm happy to do it. Yeah, sure. It kind of takes that pressure off of you. Someone else has made that decision and yeah, you know that yeah. their, their advice is... Yeah, mm. that's right. So, so Matt, before we lose you, there's a burning topic in the running world that has been for the last couple of years. And I want to get a slightly different perspective on it from from yourself as a as a physio rather than a rather than a runner. Um, okay. Super shoes. Yeah. Carbon plated super shoes. We've all got a pair of yeah. them. Yeah. 
Yeah, at least one. I've got yeah. more pairs than Lauren knows I've got. Uh, <laughs> in the same box is in the same box as the uh, the vibrams or whatever they are. No, 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 no. These get to, these get to live under the bed in the in the house. That yeah, at least they get relegated to the garage. But yeah, no, I've got I've got two I've got two brand new pairs in the un, under the bed. I haven't even been opened yet. So, and what what um, model of what model of super shoe are you wearing? Uh well, I, I really want the Sockany ones, but at the moment I've still only got um, got got the Vaporfly because I stocked okay. up on them when they were basically I stocked up on them when they were new. See, I very much want yeah, the yeah. Dorfin Pro because I've tried uh, I've tried studies yeah. um, and they just yep. felt ridiculous. They just felt well, yeah. They felt they felt the same as the Vaporfly, apart from that actually mm-hmm. felt like a they felt like a normal shoe. Like the Vaporfly okay. just feels like something completely different. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, I like them, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying these. The and Callum, ones. Callum, what have you run in? Yeah, I'm, I'm similar to Gavin. I have, I have tried the Endorphin Pros, um, and mm. I actually really like the feel of them. But yeah, I'm still in Vaporflies at the moment. Um, yeah, again, so I had, a, I had a friend who them. had, I had a friend who had the Endorphin Speeds, I think, the other day, and I, I tried them, and I just liked the feel of them. Yeah, they're, um, they're my, they're so my go-to training shoe. I've got the Endorphin Speeds that yeah. I do pretty much everything in i do anything from basically 400 reps to tempo running yeah they're, they're even uh, on the track i think they're they're really good they're just like right. yeah. yeah i was thinking about them for a tempo oh yeah perfect tempo shoe really good yeah yeah so 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 matt what i wanted to know i wanted to know is are you noticing anything that like everyone as you say everyone's using them everyone loves them well no not everyone loves them everyone who, <laughs> everyone who's running fast in them loves them um are you know have you noticed anything different since they've come out are, are, are they are they as good as we think they're making us run fast are there any good are there any negatives to them biomechanically is there anything going on i think like i said as a runner and as a video physio my opinion is kind of twofold because i've got two or three pairs sitting in my room as well and as a runner i the first time i put them on i i felt the difference i felt like i was kind of up on my toes I felt like I was kind of running differently I felt like I was getting that kind of almost rebounding effect from the plate in the in the vapor flies and even after the race previously you'd you'd do a road race in kind of your really flat kind of minimalist kind of running road shoes and you'd be hobbling about for a couple of days mm. after because your, your calves were, were so beaten up whereas the moment I kind of put the vapor flies on the day after I felt like I could have gone out and done it again yeah so like you said, for people that really struggle with things like your Achilles problems or your calf problems, short term, is racing in them actually going to kind of help with kind of people that suffer with injuries like that, um, potentially. But what I'm starting to see more of now is people doing a lot of their training day to day rather than now just wearing them for that kind of big race. They're wearing them three or four times a week for a, a session, a long run, a tempo and I'm getting people, some people that even walk into the clinic wearing a pair of them. Really? Um, I, see, I find them really, they feel, feel really strange to walk in or even to run slow in. Yeah, especially, uh, I think, yeah, some of them, like I said, the Sorconis look like a bit more of a, a normal running shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, they definitely do f- still feel different. Um, so, Kat, Kat, should, should we interject there just for a second? As Matt is, as Matt is working with us on our Sockony sponsored running camps, <laughs> should, we, should we make sure he pronounces it at least vaguely correctly Sorconi, that was pretty good wasn't it what did he yeah, say he says Sorconi. so oh, how do i say it? No. i said Sorconi. Sorconi can be fine 
really? Okay. Yeah, so okay. the Socony or Socony are two acceptable pronunciations, just not Saucony. So uh, do you work for Socony, Callum? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I just rep for them, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought it was Socony and nothing else. Mm, I, I think Socony is like the correct version, but Socony. Socony. Yeah, but it's Socony... just my Irish accent. I struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. Matt. You're you're making a, you're making a good and valid point, and I interrupted for something trivial. So yeah, crack on. <laughs> what did I can't remember where I was now? So yeah, you're just saying you're now starting to see people wearing, wearing them far more frequently. But you haven't yet yeah. said whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. And I, I don't I don't think with the wearing. I, I mean, I've, it's not they're not been out long enough. I think to truly say. Is there any pattern? Is is wearing them a lot for training, giving fashion is giving them an Achilles tendinopathy? I don't think people have been wearing them enough, and I don't think they've been around long enough for, to actually give any specific patterns. And there's definitely not been a huge amount of actual research done on is there any kind of injuries that are being caused by the overwear of these shoes. Um, and kind of touching on the topic earlier, it's the other end of the spectrum. So you're kind of your barefoot running shoes. People that are on board with the barefoot running, their argument is you're strengthening all those intrinsic muscles in the feet. You're, you're strengthening your Achilles. You're strengthening your, your calf, which is then going to help with, with your running because that, if that foot and if that Achilles complex is much stronger, that's going to give you that kind of propulsion when you're running, mm. which to some extent is what in those shoes the combination of the carbon plate with that kind of curvature to it is almost acting as a seesaw mm-hmm. the moment you land on your toes and push through your toes your heel then fires straight up you feel your heel almost bounce off in the air so you get that seesaw effect straight away so and for the same energy so you're not you're not having to work as hard through things like your your foot your achilles your calf but for the exact same energy return mm. Which is great, but then are you long term, if you're doing a lot of training in them, there's the argument that are you starting to make those intrinsic muscles, are you starting to make your calf, your stairs all a little bit lazier? Because all oh, those okay. all those muscles and tendons and structures, they all respond to, to load. So when you're injured and when we're trying to load up something like your Achilles tendon, we get you to do exercises, your your car your eccentrics, your you're hopping on the spot to load up that tendon to adapt it to the the stress that when you're running if we now four or five times a week put you in a a plate with very spongy foam and a carbon plate are you taking away some of that load stimulus for those structures yeah yeah potentially and then is is that is that then making all of those muscles tolerant to less of a load which means the moment you go into a normal running shoe or a spike on the track or a cross-country spike, is it then making all of those structures then more susceptible to injury? I think that's probably my argument from that side of it. Um, and I think it's very individual. If, if I've got someone coming into the clinic that's wearing them every single day for a run and they're getting issues in the foot and the ankle, I'm going to be looking at their foot strength. If, mm. if the foot is, is, is very weak, I could be saying, well, is it a cause of you've been wearing these shoes a lot for the last few months? And then I would start to look at then strengthening the foot, strengthening the ankle to make sure that all of those structures are getting the right input. And I think I think it's overall I would my advice would be for people to save them for them race days, do the the S&C work, do the kind of the strengthening, do the plyometric training, do the conditioning work 
to condition all of those structures in the foot and the ankle and the lower leg and then save those those kind of your special shoes for for race day because yes it might make you run five or ten seconds a rep quicker but in terms of actual training gains you're probably not gaining a lot more because you're putting the exact same effort in you're just running a bit quicker but but so but have you then heard the flip side argument to that that you can essentially just train a bit harder like or or, or you can recover a bit quicker because you're not as beat up like, like you said your calf doesn't hurt after a 10k race yeah i like you said i think there is two sides to the argument like mm. you said if you're wearing them for some of your runs are you then going to reduce the, those stresses through the calf so I think it's it's very much trying to get the sweet spot and some people will probably be able to tolerate them a bit more than others. Um, and I think at the minute, I don't think I would be able to prove that yeah, sure. someone wearing them more than one other person, that is the reason they're getting injured. But I would look at everything. If someone came in and one person was wearing, they were both wearing them three or four times a week, but one had a very strong foot and ankle and one had a very weak foot and ankle, I would probably tell one of them to strengthen the foot and conversely, I might tell them then to actually start wearing the shoes a little bit less in the short term whilst mm. they start to load up those structures. Mm. Um, but I do think there, it will be interesting in kind of the, the coming years to see if there is any official kind of studies done on actual specific injuries and long-term use of the shoe. Do show that it, biomechanically it puts less stress on the ankle and less force through especially things like the big toe joint mm. um which which you would you would think is only a good thing in terms of the short term but then but then long term if you're wearing them a lot what is then happening to those structures and all those other tissues around those structures so i i think i think it's going to be a really difficult sell to try and tell people to stop using them for tempos and workouts so is the is the not not is is the message it's essentially great use them enjoy them but don't neglect some foot strength some ankle strength some calf strength at the same time yeah absolutely i don't like you say people because people feel that instant difference wearing them and that is lack of fatigue and tightness after wearing them i don't think me telling someone to stop wearing them because it might give them an injury that they don't currently have. I don't think I don't think that would yeah. that would work. But is is telling them to say, look, you're at probably an increased risk if your foot's a bit weak as well. So let's spend one or two times a week doing a few foot drills, doing a few foot strengthening exercises. Because even some of the research that's been done has shown that in terms of your running economy, which is what the footwear and the carbon plates improve, strengthening those muscles will improve your running economy. Right. So yeah. if you're if you're strengthening those muscles and wearing the shoes, you're going to be improving your running economy through yeah. the strengthening and also improving the economy through potentially the shoes. Yeah, double win. But obviously, so, which one do people want? They want the free, well, free one. The they one want, that costs money, but you don't have to do any work for. Yeah, I think there was one research paper done and it was kind of a 14-week strengthening program and it showed a 4% increase or improvement <laughs> in running economy, which is, the, yeah. which is the same as the shoes. Yeah, but yeah. You, can go, you can spend £200 on a pair of shoes and have it straight away or you can, you can spend 14 weeks doing the rehab. Mm. So, Do like both. I said... Yeah, good, good, that, good that's, that's quite a funny study, actually. I would like to read that. <laughs> yeah, that is good. That, that yeah, proves said, a very yeah. big point. I can't, remember, I can't remember who it was by, but I think, yeah, people just... It's the quick fix, and I would do the exact same. 
yeah you, you see how the shoes feel and it's easy to go and buy a pair of shoes off the off the shelf yeah. and straight away you're going to feel better and they're sold as as, as your four yeah. percent or as you're going to improve your running economy or whatever yeah it's um, like it's like cycling. i think can, a combination you can buy the you can buy the most expensive carbon bike that weighs 400 grams less than another carbon bike or you could just get a little bit better at cycling <laughs> and i think i think that's why i think you go to a park run and you see everyone that wears them because they're it's it's a quick and easy better when you're running probably Mm, yeah yeah yeah. right matt i don't want to use up too much more of your time um what's 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 the latest with you what's what's going on with your running before we yeah well all right mate i'm up to i'm up to 55 60 miles a week um looking at i mean physio you would probably expect that i wouldn't get injured but i spent basically the last 12 months kind of a bit injured various injuries hamstring glute and i kind of just made the most of the time to finally rehab properly rather than probably rushing back every piece on the horizon mm. um but i'm yeah touch wood i'm uh i'm up to almost 60 miles a week i'm doing some decent training i've been back on the track doing a few sessions um so july i might start to look at a few races if there's uh, any out there which i'm sure there will yeah. be so, yeah we, we got we got a race organizer on the line you got any races going <laughs> not uh not any that um the an athlete the caliber of matt would be interested in oh come on you had a decent field at your yeah no actually that 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 was very good but that was a one-off elite race we might repeat it next year but i think we're gonna, we're gonna have like a series of races going on at the same course um, but yeah, that 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 race was uh, very successful. It's down here in um, near Bristol. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, we had uh, Josh Grace won in fourteen twelve, I think it was, um, on mm-hmm. a windy day. So yeah, yeah very good. Um, Chris Perrin was second, and Tom Marshall, Sockney guy, was third. So um, yeah, really good race. It was. And when's, um, when's the next one of those? Um, I think we, we're looking at potentially having an autumn one. So maybe in September um elite race and then we i think we're almost certainly going to repeat it next um this time next year maybe late late april early may um yeah but uh yeah we're having uh at that same course that that elite race was run at we're going to have like a monthly series of uh 5k races as well for uh that's just kind of open to everyone club runners and um but yeah we'd love to have you down at the elite race that would be fun yeah, if I'm if I'm running quick enough and I get if I get myself and meeting, I'll be there. Yeah, nice. Good work, good work, Matt. Uh, where where can people apart from signing up for uh, training focus camps, where you're going to be one of our performance experts? Um, where else can people find out more about what you're up to, your your work stuff? Um, so, like we've been discussing in terms of my my face to face. I work over at Witty Pask and Buckingham um, alongside Mark Buckingham and. Pask, who are the two owners. Um, so that's over in Northampton. Um, so face to face, you can see me over there. And then a lot of the a lot of the Zoom work that I'm I'm still doing now. Um, I've been doing via a company called the Performance Team, which is kind of the team that's working with with you guys and running trips. Um, so I mean, we're on Instagram, the Perform Team, um, and our website's kind of performanceteam.co.uk as well. Um, so doing a lot of more more now is kind of consultancy and i'm doing we're doing a lot of um kind of gait analysis and kind of strength and conditioning type screening um so it's myself 
Mark Buckingham as well, and then we've also got uh, Dr. John Rogers on board as well. So kind mm-hmm. of the three of us are the, are the the kind of the three that that kind of head that at the minute. So so that so that's so people don't need to be in Northampton for that. People can see you remotely. Yeah. So that's kind yeah. of something that kind of that came about over over lockdown. Really, it's been going probably just over a year now. Um, just with obviously as when we got shut down over the first lockdown, we there was no than remotely on zoom or teams or whatever um so we decided that we were we were still having runners that were going out running and injuring themselves so we needed to be able to provide a service um and we actually kind of discovered that remotely whether that be us teaching kind of partners and family members to treat one another or us teaching people how to mobilize a lower back how to release off an ankle themselves um we could be really effective so i'm kind of operating a bit of a hybrid at the minute in terms of face-to-face stuff and then also managing maybe too far away to come down regularly um via the zoom as well but both yeah. are, both are working really well yeah yeah good man sounds good so let's uh let's just make sure people heard that we'll put it in the show notes as well but um so is that at perform team on instagram so instagram is yep at the perform team and then the website and then the website is, I think, let me just double check before I actually say it and then get it wrong. It's, yep, performanceteam.co.uk. Good work. Right, Matt, thanks very much for, for joining us. Uh, I hope this isn't a one-off. I hope we can catch up again uh, a, li- a, little, a little way down the line and, and do another episode. It's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to the camps, the end of July. Yeah, good man. Good man. So, nice yeah, uh, yeah, cheers, Callum. Everyone happy? Very All happy. good, yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Oh, That's right, mate. Sorry, yeah. before you do go, we, what we were planning to open the show with, um, we, we never did because we just started chatting straight away. So Callum and I have got a bit of a competition going on as to who's, um, whose latte <laughs> art is, is, is the best. So I sent Matt a photo on uh, WhatsApp. Hold on, I missed of, you there. Um, what did you say? I missed, I missed what the competition was. <laughs> oh, the, 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 I didn't just... The, the... sent you the photos oh, yeah, yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, we need we need we need that to be judged. So, so Matt's got two photos of uh, of of latte art, uh, and he doesn't okay, really use his who's. So we, we're uh, going to ask him to, to judge. We, I, I know Matt's a bit of a coffee aficionado, so we need we need more. Than you would, just, uh, this one. You wouldn't think it looking analysis. at you wouldn't you you wouldn't think it looking at uh, what I produced myself, would you? Yeah, <laughs> Callum, I'll, I'll forward I'll forward on Matt's attempt to you. It's, it's pretty it's pretty poor, but he was under time pressure. Whereas we didn't. <laughs> don't yeah. don't judge a book. That. Don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> well, that's the problem with coffee, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm I'm very confident mine was superior to Callum's in every way. Um, no way. <laughs> oh, it's delicious, mate. Absolutely delicious. <laughs> oh, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling through, but it is. Oh, I think we're gonna have to go with the green one. Yes, get no. in. No way. Get in. <laughs> All right, one. <laughs> what what is that? Have you? Have you got? Have you got a name for the art? Have you both got a name for what you've produced? Uh, well, see, when I show, pure, when I show, pure luck. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put the photos in a story, Callum, so people can see. But yeah. Callum asked me. So Callum asked me, "Is that swirl around the outside deliberate, or is that accidental?" I was like, "That is complete and utter accident." But it looks brilliant. Yeah, it looks quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the the, the leaf of the leaf bit is obviously deliberate, but yeah, the the, yeah. the the swirl around the outside, I've got lucky there. I was confident with yeah. mine, to be honest. Ah, uh, hearts. Callum, Callum, yours is equally good, but it's just the swirl, the, the extra swirl. Oh, he's won it with this accidental swirl. Yeah, I can't believe that. The random no, bit, hearts, he didn't even mean. Hearts are easier <laughs> yeah. than leaf. That, that heart pattern, that's basic. That's, that's level one. Yeah, but it's the not heart is any good. old The heart, heart is good, pattern. though. It is. Yeah. It's nicely in the middle. It's balanced. Yeah, it's got different layers. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think Matt Gav's even it. the leaf. It, the leaf, the leaf does have the ripples. There is good structure to the leaf. Yeah, um, here we go. Callum's forgot the saucer, which he's lost a point oh, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the saucer. <laughs> <sighs> I even have a saucer that matches the cup as well. I just uh, got lazy with the photo. Yeah, Gav's, so, Gav's looks like a nice coffee. Uh, there we go. Yeah, you know what? So, after I made my, mine, I was like ferociously flicking through my phone trying to find another photo of a coffee I'd made. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find a better one. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, right. Well if you want to submit if you want to submit a retrospective entry then then we'll accept it. Alright, I'll find one of my one of my more recent ones. I always let myself down because I use semi skimmed milk. Well my, mine's oat milk. Oh. No. Can I can I can I retract yeah. can I retract can I retract my decision? I was just going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> does that affect the? Uh, what, what's the what's yours, Callum? Is that full no, fat? Mine's milk? yeah, mine's regular. Yeah, the, the green top, whatever that is. Mm. So, yeah, so I remember from <laughs> Go from, my, you... from my milk drinking <laughs> days. Blue top, blue top. You'll get even better art. I'm told. All right, nice for the next one. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> right. I'll speak to you right. soon. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Conversations About Running. I'm Gavin Smith, and alongside my co-host Callum Jones, we form part of the team that make up Running Trips. Running Trips are the company behind the Kenya Experience and Training Focus Camps. To learn more about our camps in Kenya and the United Kingdom, visit www.runningtrips.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram at running underscore trips underscore official. Thanks again for listening and we'll be back again shortly.